This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? It is Thursday, and a massive thank you to you all for such a phenomenal response to John Sims' episode last week. Um, even though we're mates and we work together, it's very rare that we get to sit down and turn the spotlight and the focus onto one person for around an hour each week, and that's what we do week in, week out. And this week is no exception because last week I got a knock on my door and Ema Kenny came around for a cup of tea and a chat. It was, it was fun. I invited her. She didn't just find out where I lived and, and, and come on over. Uh, it was arranged. And we'd never met before. And I think we got on like a house on fire. It was such a laugh. She's really good company. I really think you're going to enjoy this. Can I say really anymore? Yes, I really, really can. Um, it's currently a half term where I am and we're just taking a break from... Uh, learning how to draw manga characters. Uh, and it's not raining, which is good, so now we can go out this afternoon. Um, but if it's raining where you are, then you need to curl up. And after this, I want you to go on all four, Channel 4 in the UK, and watch a new series called The Curse, which stars our guest today, Ema Kenny, and past guest Tom Davis... And Tom and James DeFrond teamed up with the People Just Do Nothing Boys and created this show, and it's very funny. It's really good. Tom, uh, as you know from Murder and Successful, just a brilliant comedian. If you haven't heard his episode, do go back through the seasons and find it. I think Tom's in the first season. Um, and also the link there is also jump on that, jump on to Laura Checkley, who co-stars him with him. In, uh, in King Gary. Uh, and, uh, yeah, what the curse? It is brilliant. We do talk a bit about it. There's no spoilers or anything in this episode um, with Ema. Uh, but we start off by talking about how I approached Ema. And unbeknownst to me, her husband, the broadcaster, Rick Edwards, who will be coming on uh, the podcast in the next couple of weeks. And this is how it started. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you know how nice it is to have somebody sort of ring the bell of, <laughs> of my house and then come round and record a podcast? But it's been so long yeah. because I've been doing everything over Fire the bloody... Zoom or phone. I'm sick of it. Yeah, I know. It's so horrible. I know. But here's the funny thing. So obviously over the years we've been broadening the conversations mm-hmm. with different people, you know, not just actors, all sorts of people. And I love broadcasting, I love radio, mm. and I love, you know, people who conduct great interviews because they really listen. Great people on radio really listen. Yeah. And I think you can tell when people aren't listening yeah. or they're kind of faking it. Yeah. And I follow Rick Edwards on Twitter and he follows me. So yeah. I thought, yeah, I really like Rick and I think that's really interesting about where he's come from to where he is now. So I was messaging him saying, look, I know you've just moved to Manchester because one of my friends was talking about it. I said, oh, well, yeah. So I messaged him and said, would you like to come on the podcast? He said, yeah, yeah, that's great, and let's sort that out. And then when I saw The Curse the other week with with my friend Big Tom and I saw you, I thought, yeah, she'd be great. (laughs) So I messaged you. Yeah. Wholly independent. I said to my producer, I've got, so I've got this guest, this guest, I've got this guest coming up. And he went, oh, yeah, those two be good. You know they're married. I went, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know. They're married. I know, but I, I hadn't done any research at that point, so I, I wasn't aware at all. So um, pl- do please explain to Rick that I was doing that independently. Oh, yeah, no, no, know. he won't mind. <laughs> Did yeah, he know? Yeah. Did he know you were coming to do no, this? Yeah, 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 I told him. And he was he like, say- no, it's me now, too. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I thought I was special, but no. Yeah, no. no you are. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how these things come about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about London. Let's talk about moving. Yeah. Yeah. Is this so, going to be a permanent thing? Well, we're trying to work it out. So Rick, to explain to listeners, Rick is my husband and he's a... This is Rick Edwards, by the Rick way. Edwards. He's a presenter and um, he got offered a job at Five Live to do The Breakfast Show, which is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, it's a big show and um, Nicky Campbell did it before, did it for 22 years. So it's quite a big change for the channel and he was really um, happy to be asked. But we've lived in London and for well, my whole life, for most of his life, and um, the show's based in Salford. Mm. But... He was. He said, "I'm going to say no," and I just said, "I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I think it's an amazing opportunity." And he, he's really good at radio. He, he kind of has an amazingly broad knowledge about things, so he can kind of go from sport to politics to whatever. So I said, "Just take it, and we'll work it out afterwards." So now we're sort of halfway between both because I keep getting work down in London, and he's been up here. Um, so we're looking for a place up here, and I'm trying to get my head around Manchester, which is, I mean, everyone says it's a great city. It's a great city, yeah, and also. 
you can walk a lot of places. Yeah. You know, everywhere. And even in a car, you go, well, it's 10 minutes that way, it's 10 minutes the other way. Yeah. And you're not far from the countryside. Yeah, Even exactly. though I know you gave one of your answers <laughs> in the, the, the Patreon special. If you want to hear all that, you better sign up for Patreon. <laughs> very, very exciting. <laughs> um, but it is a great city and it's a friendly city. Yeah. And it's got quite a lot going on. I wrote a list of restaurants to try and there were 67 on that list. I was like, oh, okay, this is like, there's a lot of great restaurants, shops, stuff going on. Ema Kenny, you've come to the right place. I'm the right person to talk to about food and restaurants. And you live near all of them. I live near quite a few. Yeah. My um, my friend Lindsay, who's originally from Manchester, but she lives in London now, was coming up for the half term. So I met her last night without the children. But it was really hard trying to book into a restaurant yeah. on a Tuesday night. Everywhere was booked up. Yeah. And then we found one place that was really good and we... Um, we just sort of had to wait a little bit. And by the time we got there, and this was at eight o'clock, they went, I'm really sorry, I've only got three things left on the menu. Can we run out of food? <laughs> oh my God, it's like a by this point, foodie hotspot. starving. Spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is, it is great for restaurants, I must admit. Yeah. I mean, London's crazy to get into restaurants. You can't book, you have to book it like weeks in advance now. So I was hoping Manchester was going to be better, but no. Apparently. No, I don't think so. I think it's slowly becoming like New York. You, you yeah. can't just sort of trot up and, I mean, there's certain places that don't take bookings and you've just got to roll the dice. Hope but, and pray. Well, yeah. <laughs> but you'll be fine. There's a wealth of riches yeah. in Manchester. Yeah. But I, I know that you tweeted the other day about, and it was very funny because, and you're kind of right as well, two Londoners kind of moving up, it means you've got to have conversations with yeah, people. Yeah, everyone says hello to you. Yeah, they do. People want to chat in cafes. People have a chat in the shops when I you're know. at the till. I feel so unnerved because they're not used to it. I'm like, mm. what do you want from me? <laughs> you see, it's hard for a Northerner who spent a lot of time in London because I used to live, I've lived in London from, I moved when I was 18. Oh, yeah. And I'm 45 now and then got out. But when we lived in Camden and we were in flats, I didn't know... Who the was people else was at in the, the top, and I didn't know the people at the bottom. Yeah. It just just didn't happen. And now, since I've moved back north, it's like I know loads of people on my street. Now. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> stop and have a natter and see how everybody is. Yeah, I think Rick, because he talks to people for his job, he is so allergic to talking to people for the rest of the day because he's just like doesn't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> and well, also, you know, he was you know he was on TV. I can't I can't spend the whole time talking about him because no, you know he gets got, to have it, Look, Rick <laughs> but, Edwards love his own bloody podcast. All right, I hope he well, spends half of it talking about me. He bloody better do. <laughs> um, but because he you know started out on youth like doing T four and all that, he get he'd get quite a lot of like louty shouting at him in a lovely way but um that's what he's used to is the sort of usual chat so i think he's quite blinkers on when he's out out and out and about in the world um so yeah it's 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 probably worse outside of london (laughs) so that's a whole new experience but we'll get used to it of course we'll get used to it (laughs) but let's talk about london should we talk about growing up yeah sure because it's harringay is quite vast yeah 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 so we need to sort of pinpoint Whereabouts? So I grew up in North London, uh, around sort of like my family um, uh, had my my grandpa came over from Ireland with four of his brothers. Whereabouts in Ireland? Uh, The West, Roscommon. Oh right, okay. Um, And they um, had a building company in North London, this sort of like big Irish building community. And um, my dad took it over, and now my brother's taking it over. And so I grew up in in um in Highgate up uh and yeah that was the kind of um 
family community you, that I grew up you in. You didn't fancy joining the, the family business? Um, no. <laughs> you didn't even think about it, did you? <laughs> Not really. No. Um, but I do love buildings and um, houses and property, and I think that comes from that. I'm kind of fascinated by it all, um, but didn't want to actually go into the into the building industry. <laughs> you go more to the creative side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Was it big family? Yeah, I'm one of four. Right. Um, and then my grandpa was one of eight, and the other one was one of one one of nine, and so that kind of my dad was one of three, my mum was one of four. So like, there's a lot of a lot of cousins and uncles and aunties floating around. So when there's a family get together, it's a big zoo. yeah, yeah, yeah. Your wedding must have been huge. It was actually. I had. Um, 50 family actually which is which was actually quite low mm. and um like 10 friends at the ceremony and rick had like 10 family and 50 friends <laughs> and that's just because of our backgrounds being slightly different <laughs> how was school Emma? school was um i hated school actually really yeah why i went to a girls school that was really competitive and really intense um and i was quite creative and it was quite an academic school and was there no outlet for your creativity um i i basically used to do tons of youth theater and i got an agent when i was 16 did you yeah and i kind of did lots of that when i was a teenager and that was i just didn't really turn up for school very much (laughs) (laughs) go where you wanted i'm with you on this yeah um and my friends hated it because i was sort of not, I was quite patchy in turning up and uh, my teachers hated it. Um, my parents were unbelievably laissez-faire. They kind of didn't really mind as long as I was happy. And I was quite happy, so I'd be going off to auditions and, um, yeah. So you knew what you wanted to pursue at quite an early age? I think so, yeah. It was always... It was definitely always going to be creative. Um, and acting, it felt... Yeah, I think from... Yeah, I did know. I'm trying to pretend like there was a journey. I did know. It's so. I mean, it's it's not that common to know what you want to do at 14, 15, or sixteen. So early on, yeah. Like my son is turning eleven this year, and he always has a top three of things that, yeah. <laughs> that he wants to do, and they, they keep shifting. But I know some people in their late 30s and early 40s who go, yeah, I mean, I haven't found it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I haven't found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I consider, you know, people in our profession, like, really lucky. Yeah. Even though other people who do, quote-unquote, you know, normal jobs or a nine-to-five Monday to Friday, yeah. a structured yeah. job, would look at what we do and go, oh, Oh my god! I know. How could you? I know. How could you possibly throw yourself out and just be at the hands of somebody who's going to open the door or, or close it to you? I know. And the lifestyle, like when someone says, "Can you be at my wedding on this day?" and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, in theory, I can be there," and then, but you have no idea what you're going to be doing. <sighs> That's the bit that other people can't really. It seems rude to other people that you yeah. can't commit. Yeah, I've just had that before. I had yeah. someone going, "Can you give me an answer to this?" And yeah. I went. I don't know because it's on the 18th of March and yeah, I can't... I don't know. I, I'd love to. Yeah. But sometimes you just have to go, you might as well just fill the space with some somebody somebody who can definitely make yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you need me to definitely be there, like can't I can't it. tell you until, I mean, literally the day before maybe. <laughs> but I think it is really healthy 
and vital to block time off and go, no, I'm going away. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm taking that time yeah. off. I'm taking that week or 10 days off. Yeah. And we're going on holiday. No, I don't want to, like, I've got half term yeah. next week and I've got my little boy with me all week. And I've said, I can't read anything. I can't do anything. Yeah. So just, just block it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's great. And I, <clears throat> I found myself, I'm, I think I'm a bit workaholic-y and um, I found myself getting really depressed in August and December every year. And I realised it was because work really slows down because, like, everyone leaves the office and goes on their holidays so you don't get the same amount of auditions or, like, writing meetings or whatever. And and I just realised I need to do something then. I need to block it off and go, no, I'm not going to wait around just waiting for the phone. I need to go and do whatever and actually take time for life because otherwise I'll just be sitting around sad. And that's... I'm not going to miss anything that big, you know. It's it's better to be... No, but it's good for your mind and your heart to be doing something even if it is a world away from your your job job yeah to be getting up and doing something instead yeah. of waiting around for a fucking email or something <laughs> exactly. and go, oh. <laughs> inevitably you're going to be disappointed when the script comes because you go oh they want me to do that again today oh great yeah, brilliant exactly we'll we'll get on to acting in a mm. bit obviously because there's loads i want to unpack but I really want to talk about writing. First. Yeah, yeah, when, definitely. When, when did that start? So, and and wh- and also, why did it start? So I think now um, there's loads of reasons why. I think um, I think I would have ended up doing it eventually, right? But there are a couple of catalysts. I was acting since I was a teenager. And I loved it, but I found, as many actors do, a lot of it really frustrating. The lifestyle part of it, of that I didn't have any control over what parts I was going to go up for, what parts I was going to be seen for, what I was getting. Did you find that frustrating even in the teens and late teens? So much. Right. Because at that particular time, <clears throat> it was like 2007 to 2010 or something, um, I was a teenage girl, and it's so weird to think now, but so many of the parts were sort of semi-naked. I mean, really? Yeah. And I just, none of the actors that I knew, the, the guys, were having to do as much of that. And every actress I know who was kind of like, was having to do a sex scene or something. I mean, the first job I did had a really, I was 16, 17, had a really big sex scene in it and a topless scene. And I, so I was in at the deep end straight away. Wow. And I bet back then, I mean, you're only early 30s now, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. So it's not that long ago. It's not ago, that long ago. But I bet there wasn't in place as there is now, like a, an intimacy coordinator, oh, no. was there? No, no, no. They've only just come in. Yeah. And I actually, I don't mind doing that stuff, actually. I mean, I, I mind it less now because you, I'm just older and wiser and know what I'm doing. But at that point, I was terrified and I felt like I had to do it or I wasn't getting the job. That's that's not a nice position to be in. No. Um, at such a young age. Yeah. But I actually, actually, just to go into this quickly, I had the most amazing first AD on the first job I did, who I had this big sex scene, and uh, I, was, I barely had sex in real life at that point, but, I, you know, that sort of teenage fumbling. Yeah. And um, it was this, like, 35-year-old sort of supporting artist guy, and I had to like, get on top of him on a, ta- on a chair in a tattoo parlour and, like, basically just sort of ride him. And there was an amazing uh, first AD called Lydia who um, saw me standing at the sort of corner of the tattoo parlor basically shaking kind of terrified and she said okay everyone Ema's not going to do the rehearsal I'm going to do the rehearsal and so Lydia 
got on top in her like North face and her boots and her jeans on top of this supporting artist. I said, do you mind if I just do this? And he went, yeah, yeah, no worries. And just sort of cowgirl rode him like screaming in front of the whole crew. And all the crew laughed so much and all the tension was broken. And then when I went and did my thing, it was so relaxed and so chill because I'd seen her completely humiliate herself. So it was the most amazing like moment where she did that for me. And I, I like, so actually it was, you know, uh, it wasn't a bad experience, but I just felt at that point, um, I need something else. I need to be doing something else that will allow me some control over the, uh, the, my career. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So just to jump in there. Yeah. That is, no, 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 it's fine, <laughs> fine. But that is so wonderful and thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. Of that first yeah, day yeah, to yeah. do that, to break the ice. Yeah. And the tension was obviously gone for you. But, yeah. it, but even that, I, I, I hate the thought of you or anybody being, f- feeling like they have to do something like that or they won't get the job, especially with news breaking all the time of people being forced yeah. into auditions. And, you know, there mm-hmm. is never a reason mm-hmm. where you need to be intimate with anybody or take your clothes off at an audition mm. at all. I, I, I've heard stories of people having to kiss yeah, at an audition yeah. to show chemistry. Now, I've, I've, I've been intimate on screen mm. and never, ever have I been asked no. to do anything like that, mm-hmm. and nor should anybody. I think mm-hmm. it's... It's slightly terrifying that yeah. people get away with things like that. Yeah. And I always say to younger actors, no, 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 no. Do not you do, do You have the right to say no and question things mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, I know. And I actually, the thing that, I think it has got better, so much better. At, oh, that, yeah. at that time, it was really quite bad. Um, and I remember even recently, like it wasn't recently, it was probably about five, six years ago, I did another sex scene and I had the producer, the writer and the um, director all in my trailer saying, no, we've got to do it like this, we want to do it like this. And I was saying, no, I'm I'm not doing it like that, that particular position or whatever. I want to do it like this. I remember having this big argument and I just remember thinking as I was sitting there, I'm old enough now and experienced enough now to say, no, I'm not doing it like that. But if that had been back when I started, yeah. I would have just gone, okay, okay. And then been horrified when it was on YouTube, you know, and uh, or you know, just taken out of context. Or cut up and put somewhere else. Exactly, yeah. which is what, it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. Um, and, but, and also, you'd have, if that those three people were in your trailer... Yeah. ...all demanding one thing on you, it's like, it's like ganging up. That's like... No, I know. Even... And I remember, th- mm-hmm. like, I, those guys, I really like them, actually, and I, I they're, they're really great. I, I, it was just this odd situation. But in the end, we came to the conclusion that I said, look, let me shoot it my way first. Let me do my version. And then if you're still unhappy, maybe we'll do the other version. But let me try it first because yeah. I know what I'm doing with this. We did it. They laughed. That was the scene we shot. And so, you know, if anyone's listening who gets into that position, that's a good tactic to try. Because you're, you're often like, you feel powerless and you have to find a way. Exactly. You have to feel comfortable mm-hmm. in it. And you know what? Nobody should be forced into doing something that they don't want to no. do. And also... Your phone's there. Call your agent. Call your agent, yeah. <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt, don't feel, never, no one should ever feel pressured. No, into I know, like I know. And I think it happens to women a lot more, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I think it happens to young women a lot. And I think, you know, 
lots of actors I know haven't really done sex scenes, but most actresses I know have. And so it just often the parts just require it. And so... Um, you know, if the story... The story is going to need to require it for a very strong and specific reason, yeah. I think. Because sometimes you watch a love scene or a sex scene, whatever it is, and you go, there's just no need... There's, <laughs> There is there is no need for that yeah. at all. It's what's it what's it meant to spark off for the audience? I'm not at all titillated in any way. <laughs> it, it doesn't move, does it move the story along? No. In fact, <laughs> what it does is slows it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you want? No, no, no. <laughs> I, no, I was just going off on one thing no, about certain just, things yeah. like that, you know. <laughs> But it is important, isn't it, you know, to talk about those Oh, things. yeah, no, totally. And I, and the, the mad thing is, I was doing a job recently, The Curse. Yeah. Um, Full of sex scenes. All for the I sex don't scenes. want to see big Tom Davis naked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was talking to Alan, who plays my husband in it. And who, you're, I, will, I, will, I don't gen- tend to talk about work, but I will talk about it later on, but just to jump in. You two together talk about chemistry. It's like <laughs> you proper are like a married couple. Oh yeah, we, we were you, bickering like a married couple straight away. You were sparked off each other so brilliantly. Oh, thank it was you. fantastic. No, that was the case I think we knew from the audition, like we had great chemistry. Mm. Um but I was was that first scene um that we do together where we have to kiss and I realised by the look in his eyes, he hasn't really had to kiss very many people. He just looked terrified. And I said, how many people have you kissed on screen? He's like, uh. And basically, in his show, people just do nothing. His, the, the girl who plays his girlfriend and then his wife, uh, it's sort of a joke that they never kiss, that he doesn't yeah. really want to kiss her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he, he's not had to do it. And I realised the difference between us is that basically, just because of our gender, I've done so much of that because I'm always playing someone's girlfriend or wife or whatever. And he's actually doing like none. I was like, okay, so this is completely new for you. Where this is like a, just a day at work. I, yeah, I yeah. just said, lie back and let me do the work. I'll, t- I'll take control of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But did you, so it was sort of in your teens that you went, yeah, I need to take control of this. I can't wait for the phone yeah. to start calling. Well, well, Calling, the, ringing. <laughs> the, the big catalyst, really, mm. which I never really say because I don't want to give him any credit, but I had my heart broken unbelievably badly when I was about 19. Right. And I couldn't sleep because I was, I mean, I was, you know, Devastated. wailing, yeah. um, couldn't eat, like just walking around, sort of looking like a zombie, kind of heartbroken. Um, and I didn't know what to do with all this new time I had because I couldn't sleep. And I, one day, just in the middle of the night, decided I'm just going to start writing something because uh, I have to do something to stop thinking about him. And I wrote a whole script and it was terrible, but it was it was the script, you know. I was like looking at it thinking like, oh, that's the whole thing that I've done. Um, and that was the beginning, really. So I hate giving him credit for right, doing gonna anything gonna good in name. my life. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I, I love the idea that something horrible can happen to you and you can turn it into something good for yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the perfect ending, isn't it? Yeah. Through heartbreak. Yeah. Comes scripts. But also, you know, certain writers always say, just carry on writing. Inevitably, it's not going to be great yeah. the first time, but get it done, get it finished. Yeah. Oh, that's and what then, I always and then say go to back. Yeah. And so did you... Were you sort of self-taught with your writing or did you seek out to sort of gain more knowledge? Um, so I wrote a lot of 
rubbish stuff myself and then I saw a competition that the BBC ran which was basically advertised as do you want to write your own skins and I applied with um a script that I'd written in the middle of the night heartbroken as in skins like the channel 4 show yeah yeah it was actually a really misleading advert because it was actually an advert to write for a spin-off of EastEnders, but they'd advertised it as, <laughs> do you want to write Skins? Because they thought that they would kind of, they were sort of saying, it's like Skins. So they were drawn like, in the, yeah. the young blood. <laughs> it's like the EastEnders <laughs> version of Skins. Um, but we ended up having a writer's room on that, which was about 13 young teenagers, not young teenagers, older teenagers. And um, we sat in a room and uh, the BBC ran it and they sort of taught us how to write for a month. And then we each went off and wrote 10 minute episodes uh, for BBC Three and online. And um, that's where I sort of started to learn how to do it properly. Um, and then um, it kind of went from there. And did you find it as enjoyable as when you were, in, like, in front of a camera? No. I mean, no. No way. Because it's quite solitary. Oh, I hate writing. I really do. <laughs> I hate it. It's The process is awful. It and also, if you, if anyone, if you're writing and it feels awful, I think that's normal because it's like running. Like it, nobody, like it's it's a, it's a it's an uncomfortable thing to do. Yeah. But the feeling having done it is good, and that's why you do it. I think. So it's the it's the end goal. It's the end goal. Yeah. I I absolutely hate writing a script, but I love having written a script. Um, so yeah, when I was writing, I was thinking, oh god, this is awful. Why am I doing this? But um, ultimately quite rewarding are you good at cracking on with it even though you know it's going to be a slog and you don't like it or are you because if you're in your house mm -hmm. and you're writing mm -hmm. there's so many distractions laundry i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna click that that mark on the cook has been annoying me i think i'll just go and clean that yeah. off or i'll go and do the washing or yeah i always say to my mum who who's known my writing process for a long time is that I've sort of learnt my process now, which is like I have to bore myself into it. Right. Like I have to have at least a week of boring myself until I'm like, oh, there's nothing else on my to do list. I've got to do it. Um, but I used to be terrible. I used to be terrible at cracking on. I used to leave it genuinely, you know, night before, kind of stay up all night. Um, I think I, I remember one time I was writing an episode of Holby City and I stayed up for three days. I didn't go to sleep. Because that's like cramming for exams. <laughs> Which was all I'd ever known. So I just I just did it as it, like I was sort of, you know, preparing for an A-level, like rather than yeah. kind of any actual proper process. And I didn't go to university or anything, so I didn't ever write a dissertation. I just kind of ambled into this career and kind of tried to work out how to do it. And um, at the beginning, it was, it was honestly just drink loads of Diet Coke, stay up for nights on end and <laughs> write these scripts that... Um, were slightly manic um and now i've cracked it now i'm like you know what you can just start a bit earlier and then you can sleep <laughs> yeah i mean i'd i'd say sleep's important <laughs> yeah. yeah but i was you know i was right i was 21 i didn't really know how to live my life properly yet so at that point um it seemed like a completely fine thing to just spend three days uh, manically writing. And, and, also, and also at 21, you can do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't even look any worse afterwards. <laughs> In some respects, probably look better. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you more structured now? Yeah. With, with, so say if you've got something to, to deliver, mm -hmm. are you quite sort of... Because I know some writers that get up at like six, mm -hmm. so everything's very peaceful, mm -hmm. even outside, and they know that they've got till nine and they can do that then they might have breaks what are you like 
Um, I, I think writing in the morning is better. I think I, I um, tried, I was a bit nocturnal for a while and it's, it didn't work for me. I think if you get up and crack on, at least you get something done in the day. Um, but it, there's no right, I don't have a real sort of kind of structure. It's just, there's the deadline. How long do I need before? How, you know, what's realistic without sending myself crazy? Um, so it's not like a wake up and six, but it's just like a kind of cancel everything I can cancel yeah. this few weeks. Let's crack on with it. And you're quite disciplined. Like, because I know some people that take themselves off some people have like a shed at the back of the garden yeah. and they don't have any internet. Oh, God. Just in case they can just, I'm just going to have a look here for yeah. 10 minutes. 10 minutes turns into an hour. Yeah. And- I've got the internet. Um, I've got a really nice space for it. I like, I after years of genuinely writing in bed or writing on the sofa or writing, you know, in a trailer or writing in a car, I realised it would be a better thing to have a nice desk. So I kind of created a space for it. And my writing is so much better <laughs> because I actually want to sit down and do it there. Yeah. Um, Although some people do like writing in bed. I know, I know. I, I think, I think. I mean, I still probably could go back to that eventually. Like, it's just, it's just, I, mean, I'd, I'd just fall asleep. It's just yeah, too comfy. That's the thing, it's too comfy, exactly. And also, it's, I think when I was, uh, now I've kind of written a whole show and stuff, you get to the point where the writing is so relentless that you have to separate the writing off from the rest of your life. Um, and it was a bit like that in lockdown as well, when it's like, if you are constantly chewing on something and, and tapping with your laptop, you have to put that into a physical space away from bed and your sofa. Otherwise you will just only do that. And, yeah. own, and I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking about that and like reach for my laptop. And that I felt like that was unhealthy, not as unhealthy as a diet Coke since staying up for three days, but still kind of not great. No, not at all. <laughs> but it's, it's as, it's as unhealthy, as unhealthy as not saying no to jobs and not yeah. giving yourself that yeah. that time off yeah. and to constantly go, no, I have to work, I have to work, otherwise it's all going to stop. It's not going to all stop. No, no, It's yeah. going to carry on yeah. and you just fit back into it yeah, when you need to. But, you know, it's easier said than done and it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's I suppose it's a bit age, with, with age and a yeah. bit more experience. Time, time, experience and knowledge. Wisdom, it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I won't go so far as to say wisdom. <laughs> so, so, I mean, not for me anyway. <laughs> So after um, within within the EastEnders spin-off writing room, mm. had you looked and sort of seeked out a writing agent at that point? Or yeah, I um, once we kind of had I had work that was going to be on TV because mm. we had these like ten minutes episodes. I asked at my acting agency. I said, I don't know where to start with this. How do I get a writing agent? And they luckily had. Um, a sort of young agent who was taking on a few clients and she read my stuff and she took me on and she was um, kind of starting out in the same way that I was and it was really great match, just so lucky. In their, in their, within within their, their literary within department. Within their literary department, right, yeah. It was so lucky that we found each other, I think. Well, it was lucky for me. And you clicked. We clicked so well. And that doesn't always happen, you know. No, um, I was talking about this the other week. It's like... I think I might have been talking to John Sim about it. Um, I know certain younger actors, forgive me listeners for revealing myself here, but younger agents who are kind of too scared to call their agents. Oh my it's God, like, yeah. You work together. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're a team. It's like, you know, it's like any sort of relationship, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
I think it's it's a hard dynamic to get right, and you're so lucky if you get it right. Yeah, but I think, as with anything, you never get it right the first time. No, exactly, exactly. But I, I just landed with Jenny, who, that's, that's her name, Jenny Miller, um, and she just was great. And she was really good at kind of motivating me and telling me, you know, guiding me, um, which was really helpful. Um, and I've been with her ever since. And was she, at first, was she guiding you to sort of you know, get your writing wings, as in go and write an episode of this that's already established before you move on to original stuff? Or what a bit you... of both, really. Um, I wrote like I wrote some spec scripts, so it was just me um, sitting down and I wrote a script about a girl who thought who found out she was a fairy or, like you know, that kind of, like, wacky stuff that never got made. Um, but then I did the BBC Writers' Academy, which was... Uh, I think it's still running in some form, but um, I they, they they sort of John York kind of trains you for three months, and you, you get paid like a, it's a job to go and be trained, which is amazing. Yeah, that is great. And then you got given an episode of Casualty, an episode of EastEnders, an episode of Doctors, an episode of Holby. So it was like this amazing kind of it was my university really that these kind of BBC things that they uh, they they run and have run. Um, so I kind of did a both, bit of both of kind of exploring what I would like to write, writing all these, churning out these kind of scripts that were getting better and better, but also learning how to write within the machine of those shows, um, which was really helpful, as much for the work ethic as it is for the, the skill of writing, just yeah. because the nature of sitting down and having to write something for a deadline, I mean, as, as I say, it's something that you need to kind of practice because... <laughs> We don't all all have that like sort of uh, discipline no, straight of away, <laughs> and you don't want to keep people waiting. <laughs> no, you know I mean? no, it's so stressful. <laughs> you know, it takes a couple of weeks to get a bad reputation, and about two yeah. years to sort of get back to it. Really. Yeah, yeah. And how did you find balancing or getting back to getting some sort of balance of being a working writer and also being a working actor? Um, it was mad for a bit. I remember I was filming. Um, <laughs> an episode of an E4 show called Beaver Falls, <laughs> which was so fun. We went to film it in South Africa and it was about a summer camp. Um, and I was filming that in the day and then I'd go home and I'd be writing an episode of EastEnders at night. Um, and I was just trying to kind of keep them both going. And right. I would often uh, mistakenly sort of pretend to both productions that I wasn't doing the other one. She <laughs> <laughs> so basically, just, just, just lie, basically. Yeah. To get everything back yeah. on balance, yeah. just lie. Yeah, and it was so, it was unbelievably stressful um i wouldn't recommend it to anyone i learned the hard <laughs> way um and they both got done you know yeah. all the work happened but i was at that stage where i kind of couldn't just be honest and say i need a little bit more time for this i would just uh go home and panic and start writing um and are you go, better at that now so, with so regards to writing saying we're just if if it's going to be good you just need to give me a little bit more time yeah i'm getting better at that i think but then you know it, it people listen to you more when as you get further up the ladder and you know working on my show that I've written the whole of I can say realistically it's not going to be in, in now it's going to be in by then I think people you know you, they don't shout at you as much as you do when you're like a junior writer on EastEnders and they need to film in like three days <laughs> <laughs> so it changes like that you get more respect <laughs> are you have you do you write with anybody else I've never written with anyone else because I can imagine that being really hard I I I've never done it for a reason. I think I'm... The reason I write is because I think uh, creatively I'm incredibly controlling. (laughs) 
I, really... I don't think I'm, I'm laughing, but it's not, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think if people were honest, I think most people are. Yeah, especially when they care about what they do or yeah. whether they're going to be seen on screen or, or on stage. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. If you care about what you do and is your name on it or your your face on exactly. it, exactly. Um, I think a lot of creative people are incredible, especially successful creative uh, people. They're very controlling, and. Um, I actually realised that the the more I just kind of accept that about myself in my work, the less I'm like that in real life. Like in my my sort of relationships, I just kind of way more relaxed if I know that the thing I'm doing, I can have complete control over. Yeah. And I'm doing what I want. I'm expressing myself fully. So I kind of just owning the the controlling nature now, and it's like it's actually a good thing. And you kind of I realise that you want to be led when you're creating a show by somebody who knows exactly what they want and they can tell you clearly this is what we're doing. In fact, that actually makes everyone else relax because um, you 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 don't have to kind of work out what the, what the project is really about or, you know. So I, I kind of just embraced my perfectionist controlling <laughs> nature. <laughs> as, as one ever overtook the other, as in... Right, I think I'm just going to focus on writing and leave and vice versa. Um, or have yeah. you ever thought, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to do acting anymore. I'm just going to focus on the writing. I have never got to that point. I think I would go, I would be really unhappy if I was just writing because of the unhappiness of the process. And also, probably, obviously, from what I'm getting, the love of both. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I love the process of acting much more than I love the process of writing. Um, just the the rewards of writing are great um, because you have these things that you've created. But the actual process is really, really uh, grueling. And the process of acting is, I find, joyful yeah. and just fun and challenging in a, in a much more exciting way. Whereas writing is challenging in a... Uh, just a really hard way. <laughs> are, you good, are you good at um, switching your writer's head off when you're acting? Yeah. Cause you, oh, are you? Yeah. Because sometimes if you get a script, you're not tempted to go, mm, I don't really agree with this. I think um, if we change this to this. I, f- I find being, because, I, because of the writing and the kind of being in control over that, I find it really relaxing to give up control when I'm acting. I love the process of being like, this is their show, they've written it. They're producing it. I don't have to do anything. I just have to turn up as this character and serve the script. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think weirdly, you work with other actors who who are not like that, and I think they want to have more influence on the script because they maybe don't have the outlet of something else. So they are they can get intense about that, and I I understand that. Um, but I I often kind of I just let it go just i'm just gonna give you what i think this it's character needs. i think it's really important because mm. there's so many people on a set who are doing their job you don't you don't think for one second to go over and discuss why you think that light should be shifted <laughs> to the left <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah so it's like unless there's a challenge or you think yeah you need to talk about the script yeah probably just just leave it well alone and focus yeah. on what you're doing. Yeah, and I worked with an actor the other day. She was so good. And she said, some. Uh, there was another actor who was kind of um, complaining about not basically not having enough lines. And um, another... It's <laughs> tricky. It's <laughs> a tricky another, thing. I know, and another actor, this actress said, look, we're here to, to do these lines, the number that you've been given, but also to make these lines sound as natural and as... as um, 
understand what they should be. And also, it's the this is the first time these words have come out of anybody's mouth. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's the job. Yeah, and do the job of making it sound right. If you don't like the line, just work out however you have to do. Yeah, to make it sound right. Um, and sometimes, obviously, you have to go to the writer and say, "I'm not sure," or the director. And actually, when we did Karen Perry, which is a show I wrote, I, one of the actors said to me, "You're so." You're too open to the actors because um, everyone's having their their pennies worth with you, and I just felt like I really want to hear those ideas actually from the other side. I really want to hear what they're saying, and some really great lines came of it. But it was done the right way in that they sort of came in advance and yeah. said, "What do you think about this? Can I can I change this?" And, I, and and then I would put it in the script, and then it would be there for everyone to see, rather than like that kind of shifting sounds moment when it can kind of people are kind of trying to change stuff on set, which yeah. I think can be more difficult but there is there is a way of approaching mm. that and i'm speaking you know i'm saying you know we should always just serve the script i was speaking from when i was younger mm-hmm. and i was probably re- i mean i was probably definitely gobby <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. And when, i can't say that that doesn't mean anything can we i'm have ch- got to change this it's like Craig, oh, God. i mean i don't really sort of deal in regrets but it's like <laughs> It's like what we were talking about, about um, time and knowledge and a bit of experience. And you can look back and you go, oh, God, why? Why? Why did I behave like that? Well, I I think it's it's interesting because it totally depends on on the part as well. Because I think, you know, when I wrote on soaps, those actors know those characters so well. They've been playing them for like decades. Yeah. And I think... You know, these writers, I was one of them, come in, write an episode. You might not necessarily get the character's voice right. And I think they do know what that... Vo- and, you know, not just soaps. There are loads of shows where someone's played a character for a really long time and you as a writer might not crack it. Um, so I do think that, you know, that there there are situations where the actor does know better. And then there are yeah. some where actually, you know, this person has written like 12 dra- drafts of the script. This is the line you have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I very rarely sort of deflect back onto me but as soon as we're talking about scripts and character i was um doing the second series of a, a show that shan't be named years ago and i remember getting the 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 first three scripts for the second series and i was flicking through and i was reading i was going yeah that says my character mm-hmm. speaks this but it doesn't sound anything mm-hmm. like it yeah, 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 yeah. he wouldn't say this and lo and behold I got called into the production office prior to fl- flying away to start the second series, and they went, so look, uh, we don't know what to do with this character. <laughs> and I went, well, no disrespect, but I can, I can, you can tell. tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they went, yes, so we're, yeah, we're going to kill him off. <gasps> I went, that's absolutely fine. Don't worry. Straight onto the agent. Do I get paid for the full series? Went, yeah, absolutely. Kill away. Kill away, lads. But it's fine. But I, I love that honesty. The, and the, the, that was so respectful for them to go, we don't know what to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, if in doubt... <laughs> kill them. Stick a bomb under it. <laughs> How are you at auditions? Not that we've been having face-to-face auditions for the past few years, but... I don't know because I don't know how anyone else is at auditions. You, know I mean? you only ever you only ever experience your own, of course. But when we were casting Karen Peary, yeah. I was in on the casting process, so I was watching everyone else's audition tapes. Ah, so you watched them from the other side of yeah, the table. Yeah, it was really interesting. Tell me about that. How interesting was that? Was that the first time you were doing that? Yeah, the first time ever. 
I loved the casting process. I loved it. I found it so interesting and I found it really, really challenging as well. It's a really tough job. Um, but uh, just, I found it really affirming about acting because there was just such an array of performances and some of them were really amazing and some of them were a little rougher. And um, I came out of it feeling like, just a lot of love for so many actors yeah. that they're all doing this. And I that made me feel really good. Did you feel empathy with those people because you'd possibly been in that situation yourself over the years? Yeah, or just worried that I had. Just yeah. worried that I'd turned an audition that wasn't was that was no good. I, I mean, mean, how do you know? Const, yeah. Constant worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's really hard now because if you get sent pages for something that's so secretive. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have no idea. You've got like four lines in a scene where you've no idea what's going on. And I hate the auditions where you get where it's like, she throws the table across the room. And of course you're not going to do that. In the- I can't do that. No. I remember my cousin auditioned for, um, like, I think it was X-Men, like years and years and years ago. And he yeah. said he had to do a scene which only had like two lines. And there was a bit of it in the middle where it was like, he grows wings from his back. <laughs> And he was just like, uh, what do I do in that bit? Give give us a minute for that. Let me think, how can we do this? Just how ridiculous it is to have to be like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so um, it gave me a lot of love for... uh, Did you you feel that... Because you were invited into the casting process, obviously, because you're the writer. Did you feel you had a voice or your voice was being heard? Yeah, totally. Right. Well, as I said, I'm very controlling. (laughs) So they, they knew. Good. No, yeah, me and the casting director would just get on the phone and discuss it all. And he just had so much, he just was brilliant and had so much love for actors. He was an actor previously as well. And um, I just loved that, that sometimes someone would send a tape that wasn't quite right, but we'd be going, okay, well, how can we get, how can we see the bit the bit that we need that to, we see? Want to see? we want to see, yeah. Which I love to know because you want yeah. to know that people are out there doing that. Because as an actor, it's so just as powerless. And actually, I think there are lots of people on the other side of the camera who are like, really encouraging and, and wanting to find the right the right part of that person, not just the right person, you know. And it was, I really felt comforted. But that's the thing. I was doing a, a talk the other year to, uh, sadly, a, a, a group of actors who were graduating, you know, on Zoom. And it's oh, like, my God. <gasps> but I was saying about the audition process, because they, they said they hadn't done a lot of audition technique. And I said, well... It's really difficult mm. because I said the one thing that you need to know and you need to hold in in your heart, they want to cast. Yeah, they yeah, want. Yeah. They need to cast yeah, this yeah, part. Yeah, 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 they yeah. want to cast it. Yeah. they're willing. They, you they're willing you to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, it, and it's so weird that like you that you you when you're young particularly you don't think that you yeah, think that they're ready to kick you out. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> When actually they really, they really need the right person for this and they're really looking. And that's how I felt. I was like going to sleep at night, lot of staring at the scene, like, where is this character? Where, you know, when are we going to get a tape? And we always found them. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just... Did anybody come in and completely blow you away, but you hadn't thought that the character was like that at all? They kind of interpreted it completely differently and changed your mind by it. There was a process with one of the characters, which after I'd seen a particular audition tape, he didn't actually end up doing it, he took another job, but he did such a reading of it that made me, that changed the character in the script from then on, because it was so brilliant. 
again, I think that's really important is to yeah. trust your gut yeah. with how you feel yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be. Yeah, to- oh, totally. He, this character was really laddie in the way that I'd written it and quite a bit sexist. And he came in and played the exact same lines, word for word, so he didn't yeah. change anything, but he played it um, a bit naive and kind of like he'd learned how to be a lad, but he wasn't a bit half-hearted with it. Right. And that's kind of the char- the way the character ended up going. Quite um, just a sweeter side to that character. And that character is now so lovable on screen. And another actor played it. But also I wonder if, because act- the actor actually played it came in a bit later, to, if, if the way that I'd started to write it then kind of opened it up to another actor. Um, and where we ended up was brilliant. But exactly as you say, that first actor just kind of giving it a spin that wasn't necessarily in the script completely changed the entire um kind of process for me um which i loved because it's, just, it's like ideas isn't it it's like oh my god amazing idea great exactly. <laughs> not to to trust your gut and go in with what you feel yeah and if it's not someone's taste then that's okay but at least you can walk out of there where your head held high and yeah. go no I, I i did my interpretation and i think it's that good not in an arrogant or a cocky no, way yeah but in, you know just have a bit of self-belief but also so many times we'd see someone and they'd do a uh you know a great performance that wasn't right for the character and they would get cast in something else in the in the show because we had another character who they would be better suited for but they were just so good and gave such a uh, a great take on on the character that we'd be like we've got to cast them as something like what else do we have that we can do so i always think i always think whenever i get audition i think i'm not quite right for this but i'm just going to go in and give a good give my version and do the best yeah because they might see me for something they might think oh she's she's not this but she's something else but also it's that thing about even if you don't get a job maybe a month later you get a call from that same casting director and it's because you did a great job even though you didn't get it yeah you know it's something else has come back around absolutely absolutely how are you with rejection How am I with rejection? It's a sliding scale, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's all relative to how everyone else is with rejection. I think um, I are you good at sort of brushing yourself down and picking yourself up? Yeah, I think you have to be, don't you? But again, I think that does that come with with time? time? I think that there's there's there were some big rejections early on that still hurt. You know, I still can't watch those shows. Oh God, no! <laughs> There's like whole swathes of shows. Jesus, we just man! <laughs> I didn't have a TV for like eleven years, <laughs> right? And I went, I don't need to watch that. <laughs> and if the phone the phone goes, still to this day, and it goes, yeah, they've gone with blah blah blah. I went, okay, okay. And before before they get to blah blah blah, now I've gone. They've gone with. You don't, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't need to know. I won't be watching it, yeah. and it, it, for my peace of mind, and I need to heal and sort of move on. Yeah, but yeah, um, those big rejections are hard. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. But you know, I had some rejections the other way around. So we off we went out to people with the scripts to some actors, and they read it and said no. And I took that. I took that <gasps> of rejection. Course. I took that even harder. I remember I cried my eyes out. Uh, one actor saying no, and I remember thinking like. I remember thinking, oh my God, this is worse. Because I've spent a really long time writing these scripts. <laughs> Even in, in a way, because you, know, you know, when you get rejected from that to go, they always go, look, it's not personal. Yes, it is personal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? 
you put your time in blood, sweat and tears and these are your words. No, I know. Fuck, that is yeah. personal, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also realised that my, like, I, I did the recall for The Curse and I remember um, Alan, I was sitting opposite him and I did this sort of seduction scene with him and I remember he looked at me and went, that was sick, that was sick. <laughs> and I remember thinking, Ema remember this when you go home because you're going to go home and beat yourself up that you weren't good enough. Yeah, because you're you going to think about all the bad things. All of the bad things yeah. and all the bits where you Why were Why did I dot, yeah. dot, dot? Yeah, and I remember thinking, remember this. He's saying, this, that's sick, that's sick. I went home and I cried because I thought I'd messed it up. And I was thinking, what is wrong with me? Look, <laughs> nothing wrong with you because there is a list and a line as long as you can imagine. Because you know, but it's so hard to put that into perspective when you're feeling that. You're going, everybody's feeling that. Yeah. But no, I've just, I feel like I've really fucked it up. Yeah, now. I know. And I was, for the whole weekend, I was really gutted because I thought I could have been better. And this part is, I'm, I'm right for this. And then the next week I found out I had, I'd got it. And I was like, what? What? My brain is eating itself. It just wants to believe i've messed it up for some reason yeah. and i'm looking for evidence everywhere oh yeah and, actually, you, and you're finding it and yeah, sometimes yeah it doesn't you know like those memories from the past when you were younger then you speak to somebody else and you go they go yeah sorry that that didn't happen like yeah, that yeah yeah like, but in your mind you go oh no it definitely did yeah, yeah 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 it's the same when you're thinking about all the bad things i know i know and then you whenever i i have those feelings because i have the exact same feelings as well yeah like i'm sort of texting my agent or I'll email go yeah I mean can you just double check and make sure that because I, I think I said something I wouldn't want them to take it the wrong way I'm constantly I worrying know, I know um I, just before I'd gone into the audition they were all like raucously laughing I think another girl in the room and I remember, <gasps> I remember thinking oh god that's <laughs> so hard to walk into the lion's den like going funny what's he Oh, I know. No, but I'm gonna on set. Alan would be saying, "No, you smashed it. What? Why? Like, why did you feel you didn't? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. It's just, it's just. I, I, I now have to say to myself, Emma, remember this. You felt awful and you got it. So don't do that again. <laughs> oh, you'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You definitely do it again. Yeah, I know. and that's not a criticism because we all do it again, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's just the way it is. But yet again, we still carry on doing it to mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. We touched on it there. I want to kind of end, as I say, I don't talk about jobs, but because you're on and because Big Tom's a friend and because yeah. it's such cracking series that I would want, I want people to hear it. When I, whenever anybody emails me and goes, oh, can we come on and talk about such and such? I well, no, because it's not that type of podcast. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. plenty of other podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plenty of other shows that you can go on and, and sell your wares. This isn't that. Mm-hmm. But... How was it for you when you got that script from from these lads? Because they're all quite raucous and they're all d- very different comedy styles that's mm-hmm. come together. So you've got the people just do nothing, boys, and then you've got Tom and James, mm-hmm. who are very different in style, mm-hmm. but it just gels and it all yeah. works together. Yeah. Well, I think they work really similarly, so they do loads of improv. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Which was, you know... I've done I've done enough improv so like in my life that I was ready for it, but it's still it was absolutely terrifying with those boys because they've just been working together for so long and they're all mates. Yeah, and also you know it's a group of guys and I was the only girl in there and and it, you know it was like we were a gang and I kind of had to go from naught to one hundred in terms of confidence really quickly because I just knew if I didn't 
try and chip in early, I was I was going to struggle. I had yeah. to like get in there and kind of just just say what I thought the character would say. Uh, but you know? also, <laughs> she's she's such a strong character, oh, thank and you. she's cleverer than and all of everyone. them put together. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a, in a way, she's kind of the mastermind. Yeah, yeah, of everything. totally. But that was a challenge in itself because a lot of their comedy comes from being the idiots. Like they are all stupid. I mean, the idiots are always funny. <laughs> Exactly. And she's not an idiot. Yeah. So trying to find the comedy with her was really difficult because um, she's always the smartest one in the room. And so when everyone else is sort of playing the fool, how do you get her? How do you give her, you know, a, how do you find the comedy with her? Um, and uh, it just turns out it's just to be sort of quick and smart and kind of shut up, you know, like that's her attitude. It was yeah, and she's quite dry as yeah, well, especially yeah. when she's dating yeah with exactly the idiots it's kind of cutting through that yeah. that's the kind of attitude of her uh but they didn't know who was going to play it obviously so they didn't write it for anyone in the way that they wrote those characters for themselves yeah so there was a kind of element of like trying to find her in the rehearsal process and then on on on, on set as well did you have a lot of rehearsal time yeah we did about we did a couple of days um sitting with the boys which again you know even if you only had a couple of days that's still unusual oh yeah yeah totally for telly. yeah it was amazing i mean they were kind of working on the scripts as we went um so they were kind of polishing it up and making sure it all worked but it was also a really good time for me to get to know those boys because you're it's basically like being the new kid at school you're work, walking into like uh a group of mates. It's not and just... They're already established. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they were so brilliant. They were so nice to me and so funny. And um, like we said before, me and Alan, I think, just really clicked immediately. I mean, it, it, yeah, for anybody that's seen it, do watch it. But you, it, as I said before, you can really tell the chemistry between you two. You're like, you are like a, 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 an old married couple who, who run a calf. Yeah, and no, I remember like couple of the boys weren't in the scenes that we were in and so we had like a week in the calf with just me and him where we really really got on and gelled and by the time all the other boys came back we were like really arguing with each other in between <laughs> sets. and everyone was like oh my god what's happened it's like they've actually got married <laughs> yeah but an enjoyable process of an oh, absolutely dream. dream dream of a job dream of a job i mean i just laughed for eight weeks but isn't it interesting when you think you do a dream of a job and then you think, oh, nothing like that is ever going to come round again. But it does, yeah, in yeah. a different guise, yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I kind of took comfort from it because I'd, I'd just finished filming um, something that I'd written, which had been magical but unbelievably hard uh, from a creative perspective because I was responsible for everything. And um, out of nowhere, this job came along and, you know... I remember sitting on set and being like, I had no idea this was going to happen this year. This is the most amazing experience I'm having. And we're making such a great show. And who, like, I must, who knows what's around the corner? No one really knows with our jobs. And that's the, the, the magic of it. You don't know if you can go to your best friend's wedding next year because you don't know it that far in advance. But you, don't, you have no idea what job might happen as well. And that's kind of, I think, why we all do it. Because anything could change at any moment. And suddenly you're sitting there in a calf improving for hours about the stupidest stuff, thinking, I get paid for this. <laughs> and that's why we keep doing it, because yeah. it's so fucking exciting. Yeah, exactly. Lee McKenny, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and another episode is done. And what an absolute cracker.
of an episode that was. I hope you enjoyed it. I see I try not to let you down. Um, and if you support us over on patreon.com forward slash the two shot podcast, you would have found out who our guest was this week because what I'm going to do is I'm going to release that to the Patreon backers uh, days earlier than everybody else. So you special, special, supportive, lovely people get to find out who the guest is. Um, Also over on Patreon, there is more audio of today's episode with a special Q&A episode with Ema Kenny. Uh, that didn't go out on the live feed. That's just for the people who support us. And if you want to support us, you can over on patreon.com forward slash two shot podcast. Um, and that's it for this week. I've got to go because we've got more busy half term plans to deal with, uh, as you can hear in the background. Um, uh, who is next week's guest? Yeah, I don't know yet. I don't know. I haven't worked it out. But I will do. Bear with me. Okay? Great. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson, he's been producer Griff, and this has been the Half Term Podcast. Take care. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>